Welcome and thanks for listening to this message from City Bridge Community Church. Our heart at City Bridge is to call all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. To learn more about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. Now, here's the message. Uh, my name is Derek Matthews. I get to serve here as our director of teaching ministries. And if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Psalms, uh, namely Psalm chapter one. And uh, as you turn there, I am really excited for this morning because I think if we grab the lesson from Psalm one, uh, it'll change our lives because it has mine. And so as you turn there, let me kind of set up our series for us this morning. It was about seven years ago, and I was just joining staff here, and so I was making a lot of kind of first impressions with people, and so I went out to lunch with the Rob Berry, and uh, he was our community director at the time, and he was kind of asking me a bunch of kind of the normal get-to-know-you questions, and one of the questions was, hey, who's your favorite band? What's your favorite artist? And in that moment, for some reason, I said, Eminem. which like, I don't know how well you know me, but Eminem has not now, nor was he ever my favorite artist. He's not in the top hundred of people I would recommend you listening to. And yet what came out of my mouth as a future elder was asking me a get to know you question was the real Slim Shady. Um, And uh, I just remember sitting there going like, why in the world am I saying this? And I don't know if you've ever been in one of those moments when you say something you know isn't true, And instead of cleaning it up and clarifying, you just double down. Um, You go all in and you begin to just dig yourself a bigger hole. And so I just started to go on and on about how passionate he was and and how much I liked his rhymes and how much I identified with him. Um, Because sometimes you do just gotta lose yourself. And the music, in the moment, you own it, you gotta never let it go, you only get one shot, so don't miss your chance to blow. This opportunity does come once in a lifetime, you know. Lose yourself. And um, I left that conversation thinking, what did I just say? Why in the world did I just say that my favorite band, my favorite artist was Eminem? And it bothered me for the rest of the day until I got in my car and I turned on the Spotify playlist I was listening to all that week. It was a playlist I had put together called Faves, which is basically the best of of the late 90s and early 2000s, you know, the greatest generation of music. Uh, Please don't follow me, there's a lot of embarrassing songs on there. Um, Way too many boy bands uh, than you would expect, but the last song I listened to was, you guessed it, Eminem's Lose Yourself. And so because of that, that was on my mind, and so when someone asked me a question, that's what came out. Now, I share that kind of silly illustration to kind of establish a deeper reality, which is this, that what we choose to listen to has a deep impact in our lives. And if we're honest, there's so much noise kind of coming at us on a daily basis, right? There's just all these voices, all all these things that we're listening to that are just invading our thoughts and it's impacting us more than we realize. And I'm not just talking about music, though I am. There's external realities that keep coming at us all the time. And so yes, music, but also the media we choose to watch, the shows we choose to binge, the podcasts we choose to let inform our thinking, the news outlets we go to and just kind of obsessively scroll and run to because we're constantly afraid. 
These things begin to have an impact on how we see ourselves, how we see God, how we see the world around us. And it's not just external things, but the majority of us, the lies we hear on a daily basis are not external. They're internal. There's that voice in our heads that's like this running narrative of our lives, this running soundtrack that just kind of is constantly rolling through our minds. C.S. Lewis called it the white noise that's just always there. And the tragedy and what's dangerous about this is this, is that for many of us, we've listened to that voice so often that we don't even recognize it to be a lie anymore. It's just what we believe. And so Adolf Hitler, of all people, said it best. How do you convince a group of people that a lie is actually true? You just repeat it over and over and over again. And for so many of us, we have lies coming at us constantly, but we have lies within us that we have chosen to listen to. And as we listen to those lies all around us and all within us, it begins to guide and direct our lives in ways that we don't even recognize. And it pulls us onto a path and we begin to walk down this path to a point in which we go, whoa, how did I get here? And a lot of us can think about that happening in the course of our lives or maybe where you're at right now that you begin to listen to things and what you listen to begins to impact your mood, begins to impact how you treat other people, how you see God, how you see yourself. And so what we listen to really matters, whether externally or internally. So question how do you get a bad song out of your head? You replace it with a good song. And so we need a better playlist. We need a better soundtrack. And the good news is God has given us one. He's given us 150 songs to roll through our mind constantly throughout the day. It's the soundtrack of the people of God. It was the songs of Jesus. You know them as the Psalms. The Psalms literally means in Hebrew, song. This was the playlist of God's people. This is what was rolling around in their minds constantly that was informing how they thought about God, how they thought about themselves, how they thought about the world around them. And it began to guide them and it began to direct them in the path that they would be on. And so we need a better playlist to get these lies that are coming at us constantly, externally and internally out of our mind. But more than that, what can guide and direct us, not just through the way that seems right to us, but the way that is right in God's eyes that leads to life and abundance and joy and happiness. So that's why we're doing the Psalms. And so you might've read the Psalms before and you might go, man, the Psalms are great, just kind of feel good, you know, cotton candy type stuff. Maybe you put it on a mug, you know, be still and know that I am God, you know, while you're drinking caffeine. <laughs> you're being told to be still. But the Psalms are so much more than that. And so the Psalms are gonna help us in this series and they'll help us in a number of ways. One, they're gonna help us navigate life with God. You see, the Psalms were written by a real group of people in a real time, wrestling with real situations, with a real God that they really believed in, but didn't always get, didn't always understand, would say things that didn't make sense to them, would guide them to places that didn't always make sense to them. That sound familiar? Can you resonate with that? When you read through the Psalms, you see songs about praise, songs about thanksgiving, songs about hope and assurance, but also Psalms about doubt, about fear, about anxiety. 
And we see in this that whatever situation you're in, the Psalms show us how to process our thoughts and our emotions before God. Some of you have had the same playlist in your head for years that manifests itself in anger or anxiety or stress or insecurity or fear or whatever that might be. And you don't know how to process that emotion. And so you just keep on getting in the same cycle of sin and doubt and you're stuck. And what the Psalms do is it shows, up, uh, shows us a group of people that process their emotions before God and it gives us language to those emotions and words to our prayers and praise so that when we go before God, we don't just process our emotions before him and then leave it and go, okay, it feels like I'm not picking it up and it's still with me. But rather we are able to process our life before God, good times, bad times, sweet times, hard times. And we can bring those things before God and process in the way that he desires of us. So how are you feeling? Where are you in life? There's a Psalm for that. So the Psalms help us navigate a life with God, but it also helps us to worship God. You see, the Psalms are broken into five different books. There's 150 Psalms, five different books, and those were collections of different moments in the life of Israel, the people of God in your Old Testament. And they would collect all of these different Psalms together, and it was at pivotal moments in their journey with God. Some were sweet moments, some were hard moments, some were moments that were all about praise, some were moments that were about doubt and insecurity and questioning, God, are your promises gonna come back to us? But no matter what, Every single one of those books ends the same way. Praise God. Praise the Lord. In fact, the last five Psalms in your Bible are all the hallelujah Psalms. They are all the praise God Psalms. They all begin with praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And this shows us something, even how it's structured, that no matter where you're at in life, good moments, hard moments, sweet moments, stressful moments, our posture as believers is to praise our God in it and through it, knowing that our ultimate end is to be with him forever, praising him for who he is and what he has done. The Psalms help us to worship our God. And then lastly, the Psalms help us to think like God. And I love this one. Because I don't know if you've ever thought, hey, what was on the mind of Jesus? Like when he was walking around, he was interacting with people, he was talking with people, what was going on in his mind? Well, on any given day, I guarantee you, it was the Psalms. Now, why do I think that? Because Jesus quoted the Psalms more than any other book in the Old Testament. It was on the soundtrack of his life. It was the, it was the songs that he joyfully got stuck in his head, that rolled around in his head constantly so that when he spoke, it came out. When he was asked about his identity, quoted the Psalms. When he was sharing a meal with his followers, they sang the Psalms. Even on the cross, Jesus is crying out the Psalms. This was in the mind of our Savior. So if you want to navigate a life with God, worship God for who he is and what he's done, and even think like God, the Psalms are for you. They help us to do these things. And so this week, we're jumping into Psalm 1. And Psalm 1 doesn't just happen to be the first Psalm in our Bible, but rather Psalm 1 sets us up to think about the rest of the Psalms right, but also the rest of life right. Because Psalm 1 talks about blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, 
nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates on day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, whose leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. But the wicked, the wicked are not so. They're like chaff that the wind just drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked, it'll perish. Psalm 1 gives us two paths that all of us are on. And every path leads somewhere. And so what we're gonna look at this morning in our time in Psalm 1 is these two paths and where they go. We're gonna look at two paths and two outcomes, both in this life and the life to come. And so first up, we see the first path. It said, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. And so the very first word that you see in here is what? It's blessed. And let's just pause there for a moment that the Psalms begin and how we navigate life, how we worship God, how we kind of move through this world. And the first thing that is out of the gate is God wants you to be blessed. God wants you to literally be happy. That's what that word means. Blessed means happy, but biblically blessed means happy on God's terms, not on yours. There's a way that seems right to you that only leads in destruction. And yet there's a way that is right in the eyes of God that leads you to being a genuinely happy person. Not fleeting happiness, but genuine depth of happiness. Right now, my son is two and a half and anytime he has a good day, he goes to bed doing this. Happy day, happy day, happy, happy, happy day. And I'm like, I don't know who taught him that, but that's amazing. And as a dad, I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, a happy day, you had one. But I want that happy day, not because he binged watched, you know, every version of Cars that's out there. I want him to be happy because we spend time together, because we laugh together, because he obeyed me even when it didn't make sense to him. I want him to be happy in this life, but not happy on his terms and not even happy on my terms, happy on God's terms. That's what that word means. And so there's a path that God doesn't want you to be on. He says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Do you notice the progression here? The path that this person is on. It first begins with him walking in a way in which he's listening to the soundtrack of the culture of the wicked. He's walking in the counsel of the wicked. And as he begins to walk in the counsel of the wicked, what then happens? He stands in it. He begins to soak it in. He becomes rooted in these thoughts and these ideas. Why? Because he's begin to think about them. And when you think about something, it begins to impact how you actually see the world around you. You're standing in them. But then he sits in them. To sit with someone was to fully associate with their worldview with their practices. So this individual didn't just jump straight into an outright rebellion against God, but rather it was the slow steps over time that led him to be sitting in the seat of scoffers. Scoffers were people that openly mocked the things of God. So it begins with listening, 
but then it becomes a part of you and you begin to root your life into it. God is saying there is a way that you can live life. There's a path and this path doesn't lead to ultimate joy, ultimate satisfaction, because it's a path that is away from me. It's a slow step that leads to an ultimate outcome. And that's how so many of us have gotten to where we're at today. Whether it's lies we believe, whether it's sin patterns that we just feel like we're stuck in, it's slow steps that led us to our ultimate outcome. Because here's the reality. Like I've never met a man who has been pursuing Jesus faithfully for 20 years, pouring himself out for his wife and his kids and just wakes up one day and goes, you know what, I think I'm gonna cheat on my wife just to give it a go, just to try it out. I've never met a guy who's just been faithfully following Christ for 20 years and then wakes up one morning and goes, you know what, I think I'm gonna try meth. I hear good things, so why not? I never heard that. Never heard someone that just goes, you know what, I, I, I think I'm gonna punt this Christianity thing. Atheism seems fun. What happens? It began with a small step in a direction, listening to the counsel of the world, being indoctrinated with all the noise that is coming at us constantly, and we have no filter. And so that noise begins to sound like truth and we begin to anchor our life in it, and then all of a sudden, we adopt the practices. And for some of you, you're questioning, man, how did I get where I'm at right now? Why do I feel so stuck in the same thought cycles and the same sin cycles? I can tell you exactly how you got there. Every path leads to an ultimate destination, and you took some small steps that led to where you're at today, because that's how sin works. That's what James says. It says each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then that desire has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, it brings forth death. That's the way of the world. Some of you right now, as you look at your life, you're listening to all the wrong songs, all the wrong comments, all the wrong podcasts, all the wrong media, all the wrong counsel, and you wonder why you're at where you're at right now. Some of you have taken little bitty steps and then you justify it, no big deal. And some of you are at a point right now in which you're going, how did I get where I'm at? Slow steps, that's how you got there. That's the way of the world. But there's another way. It's not listening to the soundtrack of the world, it's listening to the soundtrack of God. That's why the next verse says that this individual doesn't listen to the counsel of the world and the noise that's coming at him constantly, but rather his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. That word law right there literally means Torah. It's the instruction of God. It can mean the first five books of your Bible. It can mean the totality of your Bible. This is an individual that delights and meditates on the words and the way of God. That they're thinking about it constantly. To delight in something doesn't just mean I think it's neat. It means I want to follow that. I wanna make that the pursuit of my life. I'm delighting in it. I wanna think the way God thinks. 
I wanna love the things that God loves. I wanna hate the things that God hates and I wanna follow where he leads me. And so this individual is delighting in the law of the Lord and then he's meditating on God's law day and night. That's a synonym for all day, the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed and constantly throughout, you're thinking the words of God, you're rolling them around your head. And so what we need to understand is what in the world does this word mean? Because we're terrible at this. We're great with information we're terrible with meditation. You see the word meditation, I love this word and I could nerd out on this for a long time, but I'll only do it a little bit right now. Um, but that word is the Hebrew word Hagah. And it's used elsewhere in scripture to describe cows chewing on grass. Obviously, why? Um, the reason for that is this, it literally means to chew that whenever somebody was putting together the language of the Hebrews, they saw literally cows chewing, and then they saw someone meditating. And they're like, oh, they, they kind of look alike, so let's just call it Haggai, right? They're Haggaiing. They're chewing. They're rolling it around. And the reason why this is so important is this, that there's kind of a wave that's happening in our culture on meditation, but it's not biblical meditation. It's actually a very worldly meditation. You see, a worldly meditation is emptying your mind of things, which is exceedingly dangerous. But Christian meditation, Hebrew meditation, is not simply emptying your mind of things, it's emptying your minds of the lies that are coming at you, but it's inserting in truth. It's chewing on the word of God. That's why we say things like, get into the Bible, but let the Bible get into you. This is what it means to meditate. And for so many of us, we might read our Bible, we might have all the information right, but our heart's not changed. Our minds aren't changed, our lives aren't changed, why? Because we've left out a critical component to our spiritual development, which is meditation. Why is this so important? Well, because you are made to meditate and what you meditate on makes you. You have been made and designed by God to meditate, to think about things, to roll them around in your head, and we actually all do it daily. We just pick the wrong thing to meditate on. And the reason this is so important is because what you meditate on actually makes you. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, let me explain it this way. I go trail running often. And when you go trail running, you'll notice these things called trails, okay? <laughs> trails are well-worn paths that lead you somewhere. So the more you run on that path, the deeper the trail goes and actually the easier it is to run on. You start trying to run on different paths, it's harder to go on. Now I bring that up because that's exactly how your brain is wired. That's exactly how you've been made to think. That every single time you have a little bitty thought, you're making connections in your brain. And the more you dwell on that thought, the more you think about that thought, the more you go and read blogs about that thought, the more you listen to podcasts about that thought, the more you engage with that thought, the bigger the pathway becomes and the easier it becomes for you to go down that pathway over and over and over again. And so let me ask you it again. How do you get a bad song out of your head? 
You can't wish it away. You can't force it away. You can't white knuckle it down. If you try to do that with a song, let's be honest, you're just gonna have the Encanto soundtrack in your head all day, like I have. Because I have a toddler and that's what we watch. And we don't talk about Bruno, even though there's a whole song dedicated to him. It gets in your head. Sorry, that was personal. But how do you get a bad song out of your head? You put a good song in your head. So how do you get bad thoughts out of your head? Whether it be lust or fear or anxiety or control or insecurity or whatever it might be, because those thoughts will begin to lead you down a pathway to action. How do you get that out of your head? You have to replace it. So many of you, when I hear you saying, whenever, whenever, I'm, whenever I'm stuck, like how did I get here? I know how I got here. I train myself to think this way, to act this way, to live this way. And over time, I've literally become stuck in the same pattern over and over and over again. And it begins with thinking, but it ends with action. So then what's the answer? It's to delight, to meditate on the words of God. You replace the bad song with the good song. It's picking verses to roll through your mind throughout the day, to chew on them throughout the day so that you actually create new pathways in your brain. And when you do this, you actually do what Paul tells us to do in Romans 12, which is to renew your mind. To not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Why? So that you can just have nice thoughts about God? No, it leads to action, it leads to life. That by testing you might discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You need a new soundtrack. You need new songs. It's almost like God knows how we're wired and has called us to meditate because you were made to meditate. And what you meditate on begins to make you who you are. I know that biologically, but I know that personally. Like I said, this is one of my favorite spiritual activities that is largely ignored in our culture. Genuine meditation, because it's had such an impact on my life. Remember the first time this really got a hold of me was back in college. I struggled with a lot of depression. I would wake up each day and you can imagine the dark thoughts that would go through my mind about what God thought about me. I thought he hated me. I thought he didn't love me because I wasn't good enough. And then in that turned into what I thought about me. And then what I thought about other people and how I engage with them. And, and I just would spiral down this pathway of depression. And then the Lord led me to Psalms 42. It says, why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? And I would read that line and I'd go, okay, thank you. Somebody has dealt with this before. Somebody has gone through the pathway before, but in a different direction. And so how do I get unstuck here? Well, the very next verse says, why are you downcast on my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? It says, hope in God. Why? Because he is my God. He is my salvation. And so all of a sudden, daily, I would go to that verse and I would just recite it to myself throughout the day. And I stopped listening to myself. And I started preaching to myself. 
to hope in God, not in my situation, but in my God who is my salvation. And before long, it wasn't instantaneous, but as days became weeks, became months, all of a sudden the cobwebs began to lift. The clouds began to lift and I began to see things more clearly. Who God was, he's not mad at me, he loves me. Who am I? I don't have to beat myself up. I'm loved by God. And so what do I need to do? I need to go love other people in his name. It radically transformed my life. Now, what was so much fun this week is I was thinking about the Psalms. I was thinking about how often the Psalms had just been like this dear friend of mine, that no matter what the season, meditating on them have have pulled me out of the muck and mire that God has used the Psalms to do so. So when things feel crazy and out of control in the world around us, which is daily, Psalms 46 reminds me of the sovereignty and the grace and the power of God. So I can be still and know that he is God. When things were going well and I just wanna sing and celebrate, but I don't wanna miss those sweet seasons of life. It's Psalms 103, it's Psalms 150, in which I just go to and I use as a prayer and a praise to God. In seasons of my life, whenever I just felt like, man, I just kept on getting stuck in the sin, it would be Psalms 51 that, that talks about restoring the joy of my salvation as I confess my sin to God and to others. In our season of infertility, we prayed every day my wife and I, Psalms 127, that talks about the sovereignty of God over all things and the gift that children are. In especially hard seasons of my life, I've gone to Psalms 23, just to remind me that my Lord is my God, he's my shepherd, and he leads me in good times and in hard times, and he's got this. This has had a radical impact on my life This is the playlist I want in my mind. What's the playlist that's in yours? Where do you go in scripture? Whether it's good or bad, ups or down, how are you delighting and meditating on the words of God? Because what the Psalms do is gives us words to our emotion and language to our prayers and praise. The Psalms give words to our emotion. We're not typically good at defining our emotions or processing through them. And it typically comes out in weird ways, doesn't it? But the Psalms give us words to our emotions, but more than that, it gives us language to how do we speak and respond to God in prayers, yes, but also in in praise. That's why we delight. That's why we meditate. And that's what's missing in many of our lives. There's two paths, and each path leads somewhere. And that's where the passage goes next, that all of us are on a journey, and what we do with this is gonna impact more of our lives than we realize. There's two paths, and the one who delights and meditates in the words of God, they become a certain type of person who, because they are being rewired from the inside out, physically and spiritually, that they become a certain type of person that begins to love what God loves, hates what God hates, obey God out of a delight and out of a joy and begin to follow God wherever he leads, even when it doesn't make sense. That person that delights and meditates on the words of God is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and all that he does, he prospers. 
that this person who delights and meditates on the words of God becomes like this established tree that's roots go deep into the ground, that's nourished not from external realities, but internal truths deep into the rounds, planted purposely by someone who's come along and has purposely planted this tree by streams of water so that that tree is always nourished. No matter what situation is going on around them, that tree is nourished from within. And because of that, that tree yields fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. That tree is enduring steadfast and strong, no matter the trial around you. And because of that, everything this person does, he prospers. Now it's easy to read that and go, oh, if I do meditation, God's gonna give me fill in the blank. But look at the metaphor. When trees prosper, how do we know that? It's because they give off shade for others and fruit for others. I've never seen an apple tree eat its own apple. That would be cannibalism. And that's wrong, okay? Why do trees bear fruit? It's not for themselves, it's for others. That when we become blessed people, we actually are blessed people in order to be a blessing for others. This is tree of life imagery, that in the garden of Eden, In chapter two of Genesis, what we see is God put a tree in the middle of the garden and from it flowed waters. And those waters were meant to water the nations with the blessings of God. And in that tree, it was a life-giving tree that as we reach for that tree and trusted in our God by taking that in, we would become life-giving people to others. And so Psalm 1 is saying, hey, the way that you become a life-giving tree of life, Eden-type person is what? It's delighting. It's meditating on the very nourishment of the words of God, that you would become steadfast, fruitful, resilient as you take these small little steps of faithfulness because every tree began as a seed. So I don't care where you are right now in your journey with Jesus. You know, I don't feel like a life-giving tree. You might feel like a seed, but when that seed gets watered by the word of God and the people of God come around it, man, it begins to grow and give life to others. Does that describe you? Because there's another path. There's another outcome. It's not a tree of life but the wicked are not so. They're not like that tree of life. They're like chaff that the wind drives away. And so for those of us in here that aren't farmers, let me explain what chaff is. Chaff is the lifeless flakes around a seed. It actually has no potential for life. And so when farmers would go and harvest grain, they would throw the seed and the chaff into the air and the wind would come and take the chaff away so that the seed would actually remain. And the psalmist is saying here, hey, when you don't delight, when you don't meditate on the words of God, this is what you become, a lifeless chaff that gives no potential for life and a small breeze can blow you away. A small news report, a small diagnosis, a small, a small, a small can all of a sudden take you to a place that you don't wanna go. And that's what happens when we don't delight and meditate on the words of God. And so which one of these describes you? The life-giving tree or the lifeless chaff? Well, let me ask it a different way. How much do you soak in God's word in comparison 
to Netflix, social, news, other people. What's that ratio? Are you stable when life comes at you? Or are you blown every which way by your situation? Do people come to you as that tree of life that gives shade to those around us? Do they come to you when they're hurting, when they're grieving, when they need wisdom, when they need to confess sin because they know you to be a life-giving person? Would those closest to you describe you as someone strong, confident, fruitful, resilient, stable, or would they describe you as someone who's uncertain, who's shaky, who's fearful, who's flighty, unreliable? There's two paths, but every path leads you somewhere. You're either gonna be a tree of life or lifeless chaff, and it all depends with what you do with meditating on the words of God. There's two paths, two outcomes. The outcomes aren't just for this life. It's for the life to come as well. Which is why the passage ends by saying, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked, it's gonna perish. You stand in the way of sinners, you will not stand in the judgment. You will not stand before God for eternity. But if you begin to be a person who delights and meditates on the words of God and following God with everything in you, the Lord knows your way. He's there with you. He guides you. He directs you. No matter the path that you're on. No matter the season, no matter the struggle, he's there. Watch the movements here. The blessed man is someone who follows the words of God and because of that, he becomes, she becomes a life-giving tree and because of that, they will enjoy God forever. That's the path I wanna be on. And I want us all to be on that path. Because the wicked person follows the ways of this world. They're listening to the soundtrack of our culture and being indoctrinated by it. And they become lifeless chaff. And when that happens, they will be separated from God forever. So I'm gonna ask you again, what are you listening to? Because what you're listening to, whether it's external or internal, leads you down a path. And God so loves you that he wants you to be on his path, his way. Which is why the Psalms emphasizes that, the way. You see, Psalms 1 begins talking about this way in which people go, and it ends with this way that you can go, two different paths in front of you. There's an emphasis in this passage on this one idea, the way, and the reason for that is this. There's always a path before us, either walking with God or not, and the psalmist is crying out. It's instruction, but it's also a warning. I want you to be on the path that leads to life, but here's the bad news. All of us can think through our lives and go, man, I have believed those little lies. I have been led astray. I have gotten to a point in which I say, man, how did I get here? And if we are left alone in that moment, then our way is only a way in which we will not stand in the judgment, that we will not be with God forever. And yet the good news is this. A man came who was truly the blessed man 
who didn't walk in the way in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers, but rather he went out to sinners and called them to a better way. And so when he was asked by his followers, hey, how do I get back to God? He didn't point out five steps to this or ways to obey certain things so that God will like you. When Jesus was asked, what's the way? Do you remember what he said? He said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. You want to be on a path that leads to God? It's only through me. And all of a sudden, this group of people began to understand who Jesus was. He was truly the blessed man, truly the giver of life, the life giver, the tree of life that has come, who was rooted in and yet would bless the world as the world began to trust him. And so this group of people began to meditate and delight on the person of Jesus, the way of God, the truth of God, the life that is God, Jesus Christ. So much so that the early church wasn't called Christians. They were called the way. That this group of people walked in such a way that radically looked different than the rest of the world. Why? Because they meditated, they delighted in the word, the wisdom, the way, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And if we have any hope as City Bridge Community Church to look different than the world around us, then we need to be people who delight in and meditate upon the way of God, the truth of God, and the life that's found in Christ alone. So let us be a happy people, not on our own terms, but on God's, as we delight and we meditate and find our ultimate satisfaction and fulfillment in the truly blessed man, Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening. We pray this message encourages you on your journey with Jesus. If you found this message helpful, feel free to share it with others and leave us a review. To learn about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. You can also follow us on social at citybridgecc. See you next time.